but they got no show. So I'm about to like flip a strip, believe the sun. Mug shots the one that gets the drum fun. Mic check, I get paid to wreck the set. Get ready to check, cause I'm a threat to your threat. No host bar, incomplete move fakers. That's the way to back up, watch a girl I might take her. If she's a crab, I'm a dissident slide. If she try to rip, I got my smith on my side. Word to God, here I come to make way. Rugged and rock, killing your set every day. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain too much. Yeah, man. So we haven't talked in a while, man. What's been going on in the basketball world? Um, well, I started practice with my team yesterday. Um, our oh, first... great. How did that go? Oh, it, it exceeded all my expectations. Because, um, you know, we got to play in mass. And so I, I was concerned on how they were going to take to it. Um, and they did very well with it. I was very satisfied with the way that they went through practice. It took about, I'll say, 20 minutes or so to get used to it a little bit. But as soon as we got going and getting the sweat in and putting in the work, they started to like, okay, we're fine. Like, we can do this. So do they have to switch different masks? Because I know, you know, they sweat a lot and everything, so... How does that work with the mask? Well, we have masks. We have masks like on deck. Like we got boxes of them. Mm. So <laughs> Okay. So if they need so to switch one out or something like that, they can do that. Okay. So everything was good with the workouts. The girls looking good. Well, here's the situation that I'm in every year. My girls are not basketball players. So when basketball season is over, none of them pick up a basketball again until the next season. Right. So it's a lot of rust there. Um, we had a few preseason workouts where a couple of the girls showed up, but the overall majority of the team did not show up because they played volleyball. So once we got everybody in the gym together, we just spent maybe the first hour just shooting yesterday. Trying to get a rhythm, trying to get trying to get that muscle memory back, you know, uh, and ball handling, you know, just the little small small detail things. Right, right. You know. Well, I do know that you know nowadays I've really noticed there's not too many girls that really care about the game of basketball. There's always either some other type of sport that they play, or basketball just really isn't at the top of the list, period. Well, um, think about the demographic of the school that I'm at as well, though. Like, we are softball, soccer, volleyball. Like, they'll do those things year-round. And we'll have, like, one time, um, we have had to move games or practices because, it's like, man, I can't be at practice because I have a softball tournament. Or I have a travel volleyball tournament. I can't be at practice. You know, so that's the type of thing that I have to deal with at in my current situation. Um, hopefully in the future, 
I think if I'm still there next year, it's, you're going to start to see a shift from that into girls that just want to play basketball. So, because next year's freshman class, they are going to be special. So, um, did you ever see yourself playing or coaching other, another sport besides basketball? Well, you know, I still coach football as well. But um, this true. This be my this be my first year not coaching football in the past three or four years. So, and so it also was draining on me too, because there's that brief time where high school sports kind of over overlap with each other. So I would go to football practice early and do everything I need to do there, and then rush back to my school, and that's about a thirty minute drive away. And we'll rush back to my school and have a two-hour practice and then go home okay. and then finally go home, right? So I don't have to yeah. do that this year. Um, I just have to focus on my team. And But in the future, um, depending on how I'm feeling, um, health-wise, I have to be up for it because it's taxing. It's so hard coaching two sports back-to-back like that because – there's li- there's literally no time off, right? So I have to I have to get back used to doing that again, which it feels nice just to have to focus on basketball. Right, I can most definitely understand that. Um, I really hope you have a great season. I know, you know, your coaching speaks for itself, so I know that you'll be fine. But I I'm really excited to, to see you know how the girls come out. Being as though you know, you said that they're not really basketball type of players. So, well, last year's team wasn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I said you. I think you'll be fine. You know, you have you definitely have you know coaching within you. So I know it won't be a problem for you to show them the fundamentals. Really, as long as you can get the fundamentals down pat, you know that's that's the most important thing. Right. So, and then everything else will follow. So, because I wanted to talk about, we're going to start with the Arizona team, because I heard that they actually have a one-year postseason ban that was announced, what, was it today? Earlier today? I haven't seen it. Yeah, so basically they were saying that the Arizona men's basketball team, they have uh, COLA violations to where, you know, basically the head coach, which is Sean Miller, was charged with lack of head coach control. So they have like maybe I think nine violations, like five allegations. So I don't really know what's going on with that, but I do know that they're basically they have a one-year postseason ban. Well, that's well, and the thing about it is, Arizona wasn't going to make the tournament anyways this year. So, to me, in my mind, they're getting off scotch-free yet again. Like, this, <laughs> has, been a, this has been a thing for the past three years with, with the University of Arizona, where the NCAA, just for, for some reason, like, if it was Georgia State with these type of violations, oh, they would ban them, the coach would be fired, all this type of stuff. Whereas we're, with a University of Arizona, you know, here we are, and they have to um, 
and they're gonna get away scotch free because who says they even make we even get to the NCAA tournament anyways because of COVID. But also that team isn't any good anyway. So why not? I mean, a one-year postseason ban, that means nothing for those guys because they won't going to make it anyways. True. That's definitely – yeah, I definitely agree on that. I know that they were saying that the former assistant coach of the team had basically took a bribery from a sports agent. So I think it was about $20,000. And then yeah. that they were playing – they were basically paying ten thousand dollars month to month for a former player. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. DeAndre Aiden, right, DeAndre, right. Aiden. yeah. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, that's crazy. It's it's frustrating that those type of things are continuing to happen, especially like it's always the same programs that get in trouble for stuff, but they never get punished for it. Arizona is at the top of that list for me. They always have something going on within that program. I agree. Um, well, like yeah, they are really getting getting away. <laughs> getting away. With, I mean, they really don't have to play, you know, for the rest of the season. And like you said, they really wasn't planning to go anywhere, so they're basically starting a whole fresh season. Yeah. I mean, because think about it. There are schools sure. that are starting to shut things down for, because of COVID. Right. There's programs that are saying, "Hey, we're not going. We're 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 shutting down for the season. Um, all our kids get another year of eligibility anyway, so that everybody will be back next year anyways. So we're just going to sit this year out and come back next year. And so that's pretty much what Arizona's doing. Uh, well. I do know that yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, John Moran, he got hurt. So he has a left ankle sprain. Mm. He's supposed to miss like three to five weeks. It's a good thing. I know they had, had put him in the wheelchair <clears throat> um, during the game. I thought it was actually going to be more serious than that. Yeah, me the too. Way- but um, he's out for three to five weeks. He didn't fracture anything, so that's a good sign. But um, he was definitely playing really good basketball. I know he he scored about forty four points. Um, the other night he he he's a pretty solid player. I like him. Oh, he's gonna be a star. Um, uh, if he keeps his head on straight, he's gonna be everything that I thought John Wall was gonna be. I just hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't get to the point to where he has specific injuries, especially when it comes to the ankle and leg injuries to the point to where he's not really the same explosive player because those things do happen. Well, that's the thing with those explosive type point guards. Like we saw it with Derrick Rose. We saw it with John Wall. All those super athletic point guards, You have they have to find ways to use the athleticism in, bur- in spurts, right? Right. You can't go out there and do it every single night of your NBA career because they've been doing it since high school. So, I mean, and before that, and, well, we're probably I – have, I have one thing that I want to talk to you about in a couple of seconds or whenever we have a little chance to talk about it. But there's a lot of correlations between um, 
the amount of basketball that's being played and these leg injuries. I mean, I'll just go ahead and bring it up now. So, you know how we were talking about how Jalen Johnson for Duke has hurt his foot or what was his foot? Uh, I think so. You said Jalen yeah. Johnson? Yeah, for Duke. Yeah, for Duke. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I so, think it was an ankle injury. So, he hurt his foot, right? And yeah, I think. You said, oh, it might be time to get a new strength conditioning coach. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not even the issue. So, here's the thing. What do you think has been the biggest change in basketball as a sport in the past 10 years? Games. Basically, people changing divisions, that was definitely a big thing. And games. Are you, are you speaking on college basketball or just basketball in general? Well, let's think about – let's just focus on, like, well, basketball in general. To me, the biggest thing that – the biggest difference in the past 10 years has well, been the expansion of AAU basketball. Why would you say that? All right, so 10 years ago – with AAU basketball, you were committed to one team and they scheduled, okay, we're going to play two tournaments this month, two tournaments next month, and then you can enjoy the rest of your summer. Now, there's a tournament every single weekend. And if you're if your team is in if your organization isn't playing every single weekend, your kids are going somewhere else to play right on a different team so that's putting a lot of stress on the body that they that they shouldn't be going through at this time in their lives so they're putting heavy heavy mileage on their bodies before they even make it to college you do have a point a point there and then you expect well, them to go to the NBA and have 12, 15-year careers. I mean, you're starting to see now that where it used to be a player that went to college for four years, played in the NBA for 15 years, those guys are gone. Well, you know, it's so crazy when you say that because I guess AAU basketball has expanded but, you know, at the same time, I guess when it comes to game situations and playing a whole bunch of basketball, you know, it's basically conditioning them for what they would have to prepare themselves later on as far as being an actual NBA and WNBA player. You know what I mean? Just look at how many games they actually had to cut games for them because they used to play about 100 games per season that really didn't make too much of a difference because they still play like what 83 82 games. So I mean well, the thing about it is though okay so you're saying okay on the NBA level they play 82 games but think about on the NBA level as well they're getting the paycheck they have the they have the resources to trainers right 24/7 
uh, health professionals and dietary people. They have access to all those type of people 24-7 within the NBA and WNBA. Right. Well, we're talking about, I'm talking about a 13-year-old kid who's playing every single weekend AAU basketball all the way up to he's 17. And then the next, next thing you know, he's instead of playing AAU basketball after he graduates, now he's on the college campus and they have workouts. And so and then basketball, that's when basketball becomes your job when you get to college. And so there's just a lot of stress being put on the body. Well, yeah, but you got to understand that's what I feel like AAU prepares the kids for. You know what I mean? It's preparing you to basically understand that at some point in time, if you want to get to a bigger level, it's going to get harder, which means if you're already putting a little bit of stress on your body as it is, it's basically warming you up for the more stress you're going to put on your body later on, which is dealing with college because there's times to where, you know, you really can't go to class. Or you really can't do too much of anything because you're in the gym you're with the team. Or you might have to get up and travel every other day or every two or three days to play a basketball game. And then let, let's not talk about, you know, when when the conference games and all of that stuff. And then, you know, championship games, comments, a lot of stuff like that, that plays a big part to where your body has to be conditioned to be able to withstand those type of, basically that type of fatigue. And that's dealing with basketball too. The only difference is when you're at that, that high of a level, you know, you're more, you need those people. You need nutrition coaches and, and strength and conditioning coaches, coaches that basically is for every specific position. What I mean, because you can afford it, because paid to do what you do, so therefore it has to be at that high level. Now, now we need everybody. You know what I mean? We need a whole bunch of different people to make sure that your body maintains being able to play intense, you know, intense type of games. But just think about when it gets to the playoffs, which is what I say about every sim. Because when I look at how the players play during the regular season, you know, preseason, regular season. Oh yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool and all. Yeah, you can you can have the best record, but when it comes to those playoffs and you're playing every other day in a seven game series, your body is gonna get tired. It's all about who wants it more at the end of the day. That's when you know you're really at the big time level. I really feel like that goes with any sport. But basically, you know, when it pertains to AAU basketball, I feel like, you know, AAU is really meant for the special kids who play at a high level, you know what I mean, at a high level game of basketball. So it's to be expecting you show you what you're going to see later on, but to make sure that you can be able to play at that high volume. That's what I feel like AAU is for. It's for the special basketball players who we feel like have this specific type of skill to become more, but we have to train them, you know, to get ready and to get prepared, especially body-wise, you know, for these intense games that you're going to play later on. Well, AAU has its place, but I'm saying 
those kids should not be playing every single weekend in the summer. But ten well, years ago, that wasn't the case. Ten years ago, you could look at it like, okay, we're playing this weekend, we're off this weekend, but we're playing next weekend. Like, but now you have these events that are two that are two or three days, and so I'll go to one event for two days, then we'll go to another event for that last day, or we'll do two events in the same weekend, like that type of stuff. That 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 does harm. That doesn't do anybody any good, in my opinion. It it just doesn't do anybody any good. And I'm I'm saying I'm thinking that you're starting to see those effects. Think about when Zion went down at Duke, sprained his MCL. Okay, like that that type of that type of stuff. And you didn't see that a lot ten years ago. True. And it's happening to those guys that are really, really explosive players. Well, I think lately, you know, as the years have went by also, I feel like players have became more advanced. The game of basketball has advanced, but, you know, players are able to do things. That's when you know somebody has a specific type of skill or gift. You know what I mean? Like, every player doesn't have the gift to be able to jump, to have that high of a wingspan. Like, what are the odds you'd find somebody like a Blake Griffin or um, a Zion? You know what I mean? Like, they have a specific type of gift, you know? And I feel like when it comes to injuries, it's more susceptible for them to become injured based off of what they do, how much stress you put on your body on a, on a regular basis, just like you were saying earlier. You know, you can be an explosive player, but you really can't be like that every single game. You know what I mean? Just like Russell. Well, also, Go well, yeah, Russell Westbrook, he's one. He's one of the throwbacks, though. Yeah. Like, he's fine. Because you, the reason you don't see – you don't see Russell Westbrook have but, those type of injuries a lot of times. But he his, really, his injuries be like wrist injuries and stuff like that from shooting the ball too much. But when you really look at him, he's explosive when he needs to be. You know, like he's never right. been that type of guy to where he just feel like he needs to go for a fast break and just make some high, just just to do something on the highlights of sports. And you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you you know what he's capable of. We we've seen what he's capable of. You know what I mean? But, you know, Morant, he's he's young. So this is like, this is time for me to show my skills. You know what I mean? I'm young. I'm, I'm going I'm to give it all I got. I'm trying to get a name for myself. And when you're trying to get a name for yourself, you're going you gonna to take it to that level. So. And so then think about this. The best player in the world is LeBron James at 36 years old. People still trying to figure out how is he doing it? How is he doing this? He has never had a major injury in his career, knock on wood. Well, and he's been playing for 15 years. What have you seen him do, though? All of the stuff that you've seen him do, where posterizing and just dunks and stuff like that, half of the dunks that he does make has been fast break, open floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's jumped over some people, but when you look at his body and how he's built, 
He looks like a daggone man. He he can easily pick up, you know what I'm saying? Pick up speed, jump, and just dunk over you. He has enough size where he can just push you out the way. You know what I mean? Like, he has that size, but when you really think about it, that's natural-born size that he has. I don't think people really understand. Like, he really doesn't have to do too much to have that type of that type of figure, that type of strength. You know what I mean? He he lifted a little bit, but there's nothing extra that he really has to do. He just aged. You know what I mean? And with age, especially with a guy, you gain a little bit of weight. You know what I'm saying? So I'm pretty sure he's gained weight, but he just turned the majority of the muscle it makes him look extremely big. When he came into the league, he was skinny mini. You know what I mean? He, uh, I ain't gonna say skinny mini because he was a grown man in high school. He was, but with Eesh. the way that he looks now and the way that he did when he came into the league, he looks like he's twice that size. Yeah, probably is. Have Did you see a picture of his son, Bronny? Now, Bronny is gonna be cut a little different. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> and the reason, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go. You you got it. The reason why I said that is because I look at his size now, and his dad was nowhere near that size, and he's only mm-hmm. in what middle school, tenth grade. Oh, he's, tenth grade. he's, oh, he's tenth in the tenth grade. grade. So mm-hmm. it's just like you already have somewhat of the size that your dad didn't have around your age at the time just imagine what he'll be when he actually gets into the league well see lebron was poor True. and so he 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 wasn't eating these meal these good meals that Bronny's eating right now true. true so i think he's gonna be a little bit more advanced than lebron when like by the time his senior year comes he's gonna be a little bit better of a basketball player because Bronny can shoot the ball already he has the same passing ability as LeBron. Only thing about it is, I think LeBron is probably more of a freak athlete than Bronny. True. Well, I think that. But I said all that because going back to the point about the AAU thing, LeBron probably played maybe one or two tournaments every weekend. Like, like, like a month I meant. One or two tournaments a month back in 2001, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there. Yeah. So he he don't have the mileage on his body that a Zion would have from all those minutes of playing AAU since he was 13 or 14. And the things Zion, like you, like you was talking about people, um, the highlights and all this stuff, the thing Zion was doing in game, it was just like, how was somebody this size able to do this at 280, 290 pounds? True. I mean, golly, I remember he was. I remember when Zion Williamson was an unranked player, and his junior his junior season of AU basketball, they I start. That's when his first highlight tape came out, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, what kind of mess is this?" <laughs> three went three um three sixty windmills going between his legs in game. I mean, the way he was dunking the ball was just crazy. I mean, he's a monster. He's a monster. But uh, I'm interested. And he went from being unranked to being one of the top three prospects in his graduating class. Exactly. And that goes to show you that basically 
anybody can come up at any time. I'm actually interested in seeing how tall Bronny's going to get because I honestly believe that he's going to be taller than LeBron. I think I can see him at six. You think he'll grow that much? I think I can see him at six nine at least. You think so? I can see that. I mean, when you look at them side mm-hmm. by side, he kind of well. He's already like six. Yeah, like, and he's only in the tenth grade. And remember, Anthony Davis hit a big growth spurt because remember he used to play point guard, and then all of a sudden you went from that to six ten. Yeah, he was five foot seven. That's crazy. <laughs> That that's um, but I actually wanted to take the time out to actually talk about well, now that you were saying something about AAU, I wanted to talk about Jalen Bumpus. I okay. have you have you been hearing about him? A little bit. Yeah. So, um, I heard that he actually is playing for Grimsley High School in Greensboro. You know, Grimsley is a pretty <laughs> decent. Mm-hmm. But um, I yep. think they just won the championship. But when I look at him, of course, he, you know, once he gets a little bit of more size to him, I think he'll be a pretty decent basketball player. Yeah, and you know what should happen? He should not leave Greensboro. You're to right. Go to school. UNCG or A and T need to get him on the phone now. I, definitely A and T. Definitely. Absolutely A and T. I, and that's my thing. When you have when you have a a, a a division one school within your city, I would expect them to be going hard trying to get right. you. No matter what, oh, they everybody telling you he wants to go to Carolina or State or Duke wherever it don't matter. Like you need to put in that work to make sure that that kid stays home. And how far is Grimsley's maybe what ten minutes away from ANC's campus or something like that? Yeah, probably not even that. Probably about five. Man, probably I'll say ten minutes. I'll say ten. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> that's an easy drive after practice one night to go watch him play, right? Or you know what I'm saying? And so, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with him. I hope he's. I hope his head is on right. I hope his grades are good. And let's just see. Let's just follow the progress. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely, you know, like I said, I really like the Grimsley High School basketball team. They they're actually I think they're pretty decent at football too. I'm not really sure, but I do Greensboro Grimsley is good at everything. Yeah, that's what I was just getting ready to say like Grimsley is like that. When it comes to Greensboro talking about high schools, Grimsley's up there. So, um, you know, I think they won the AAU championship as well. So, you know, he, he seems like he, he's on track right now, and I'm just interested in seeing how he's going to further his, you know, his basketball career. I'm excited to see because he, he, he's pretty nice. He's a good player. He's very solid. He can score. Um, like I said, he, he I can tell that he probably might hit another growth spurt because he's already, you know, a little length, a little lengthy, but I think I can see him at maybe six 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 seven. Mm-hmm. I can see that too. Um, but also, I just want to see that. I want to see him be able to pull up off his dribble, um, get to certain spots on the floor and elevate, um, find ways to get to the basket, finish through contact a lot. Like those type of things, I want to see. Um, the mental part of the game. 
Um, mo- like most most times when with these like high level high school teams, your best players are probably scoring fifteen points per game because everybody else around you is so daggone good. So, <laughs> um, how well does he get his other teammates involved? Because he's gonna get his obviously. So how are you gonna get your teammates involved? Um, of course, you know me. I'm always defense first. How are you gonna play defense on, against high school competition? Because AU sometimes they don't really look locked down the way that a high school coach would like them to. Right. So I mean, that's just things that to watch over. I most definitely agree. Um, but I, I hope that he has a a nice actually basketball career at Grimsley. Um, yeah. Just curious to just see how this goes. So, uh, what else do we need? Let's talk about Luca and them dusting off the Clippers the other night. <laughs> so, I think it was 127 hey. to like 77 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Luca's still back on a rampage, yes, obviously. <laughs> this is nothing new. <laughs> Going back to last season, I think he's going to kind of sort of repeat that whole season. But just at a at a better, just in a better in a better position, as far as you know, he was, mm-hmm. of course, you know, starting off. So you know, we had a chance to see basically what what type of player he was. But now that he's already shown himself, I think he's just really just going to be putting up hella stats. Yeah, I agree. Um, another another thing about that team. Chris Stapps Porzingis isn't right. playing yet. They're going to be a different team once he That's, comes back. They're going to be a better exactly. team once he comes and back. And I think people kind of sort of put him in some type of shit. It's like they they put him on the back burner. Why, I don't know. I don't think they remember when the Knicks actually drafted him over. But, you know, I felt like he really didn't fit with the Knicks well. They didn't use him. They were trying to use him the way that you're supposed to use him because, you, like I said, you can definitely have him playing point because he can, you know, he has ball handles, but he can also play in the paint as well, you know, block shots, rebound, blase, blase. But he's basically a, a all-around player, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't say he can play every position on the floor, but he has a little bit of everything to where – you know, you put him somewhere, he'll be able to fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, I think he – the reason that people kind of, I guess, not paying attention to him is because he hasn't been around. He has to show that he can stay yeah. healthy. That's been the biggest thing for yeah. him. He has got and to I, stay that healthy. That kind of sucks for a lot of players, you know, because I think a lot of players don't really reach their full potential – of what they can be because of injuries, which is what I was going back to when we were talking about Duke and we were saying, because they've had a lot of injuries, a lot of the same injuries, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, well maybe they need a new strength and conditioning coach. Because sometimes they, well, no, that, it does play a part. It's a, there's, there's a direct correlation between – the amount of basketball they play from 
like 13 up to 17. Yeah. Like those numbers are way mm-hmm. up higher than it was 10 years ago. That's just like in football, you see a lot more lower leg injuries in, in the NFL. Well, why is that? Well, they cut back on the amount of practices you can have in football. So they cut back on the conditioning period. You can't have two-a-day practices no more. There's only a certain amount of practices you can have within a week. And so your body's not used. Your your body's not being conditioned to go out and play football the way it used to. And the person that pointed it out was Bill Polian. He used to be the general manager for the Indianapolis Colts. And he was on ESPN. And this was maybe five years ago. Like, the way things are now, it wasn't even this bad five years ago. But it was five years ago, and they asked him, they said, well, why are we seeing so many of these lower leg injuries? And he said, well, because they're cutting back on a lot of, like, the preparation process that they need to get ready to play a full NFL season. They took away two-a-day practices. You can only practice three days in the week for an hour and a half or they – they just put in all these different restrictions to and it's affecting the players. All right, so why are we seeing so many leg injuries in football this season? Well, remember training camp was done virtually. True. So that's why uh, Odell Beckham is out for the season and all these other guys are out for the season because their bodies won't ready for the season. And so and so maybe strength and conditioning has Something to do with it, but it's just the mileage on the body for basketball that's that's causing this. I right agree. Now. Um, a, a lot of things play a, a factor in this whole situation with this season because the fact that people can't really work out and condition like you know they normally would, um, you know, and then having to play games because, like I said, it's a difference between when you're just doing it, you know. To, to get up your rank or, you know, to go to the, the, the higher level. And then when you're actually at that level and you get, it's just like, well, I have to do this because if I don't, I don't get paid, you know, it's different. So you kind of sort of have to do things you might not want to do at the time. And I feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. too, dealing with specific teams, just when you think about RG3 and how he had came back from that injury, and basically they put him out there on the field, you know what I mean, to score a touchdown, and he ended up messing up his, messing up his leg even worse. So I think a lot of times these players don't be fully healthy, and they still allow them to play basketball games. Yeah, that was a lot of it. Um, Duke has been one of those schools that in the past, in the past three, four years that have been that have been like, okay, this kid was playing hurt, this kid was playing hurt. You know, um Cam Reddish said that he wasn't really healthy like um his freshman. And he's year actually now, if I'm not mistaken, that. is that right? Is he no, so that's what? Justice. Justice is injured for Memphis. Yeah, Justice Winslow was out yeah. for the Grizzlies. But um so, I mean, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot. It it takes a lot on their body just 
year after year after season, you find people that are still so young. We can look at a lot of players and say, well, man, he, he's only really did this many seasons, but why is he not the same person that he used to be once he came into the league? And you would think, you know. The perfect person, the perfect person, yeah, Jabari I know, Parker. Right? I still have the sports the sp- I still have the Sports Illustrated issue with him on the cover when he was in high school calling him the next LeBron James. The best high school player since LeBron James. He went to Duke, won ACC Player of the Year. Um, They got put out in the tournament early, whatever. He goes to the NBA, and I think first or second game in the league, he tears his ACL. So he's out the rest of that season. Comes back the following season, tears his ACL again. Yeah, that that's crazy. And I mean, it all happened so fast to the point where it was literally back to back to the point to where he just became irrelevant to the fact. I mean, other. I can't even tell you. What I team thought he's on he was now. with the Bucks. I don't think he's with the Bucks. Is he with the Pistons? I don't. Know. No, no, he 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 he's been gone from the Bucks. They made. In my mind, in my mind at the time, I thought they made the wrong decision by keeping Honor the Kumpo, but obviously they made the right decision by keeping him Most and trading Jabari. When did they trade him? Um, they traded oh, so him to Chicago. The no, <laughs> then they released. The, they had signed him to a two year, to a two year forty million do- deal. They cut him. And then he ended up in Sacramento. Yeah, last he's year. just basically getting flipped around, and he he doesn't even know if he's actually on the court. That's why I was, it's not even playing because he's still he hurt. You know, he's actually going to be on the court, and they're just passing him off from team to team to team. But um, yeah, it's just crazy. I know. Yeah. Or Harry Giles, Harry Giles, he he played his whole freshman year at Duke. Well, not his whole. He played. Come on, man. You like I a quarter yeah, of the let's season. Go, let's talk about some Carolina for Dude. Players, man. You you can't you can't do our boys like that. <laughs> well, no, because I'm just making a point. Harry Giles to me was the next what? Chris Webber coming out of high girl. school. Hans, well, Hansborough's not he's, uh. he's irrelevant. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he's irrelevant. I'm Nobody saying, cares about Tyler Hansborough. What happened to Sean May? Sean May is coaching at Carolina now. He didn't. How many years did he? That's when the. That's when Charlotte was the Bobcats. I mean, I think he played for like four or five years. He wasn't. He's not. He wasn't an NBA type player. Think about Sheldon Williams. Sheldon Williams wasn't an NBA type player. So much better as a coach. Sean May does, and Sheldon, as far as Sheldon goes, I mean, he's married to Candice, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow, that's nah, unfortunate. Divorced. But I mean, they're divorced. They're divorced, and he got ooh. alimony from her. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. He hit her with the cheese. Uh, but I mean, you know, yeah. There's a lot of players that you know just just fell off. You know what I mean? To maybe just basically. And it's- they just suck. Some of them just suck. <laughs> Tyler Hansborough had no business I in the mean, NBA. Great college player. He reminds me, Luca Garza is Tyler Hansborough. Yeah, you're right. 
don't even know how that happened because it was just like he got there and then it's just like he disappeared. Like, well, what's he gonna do? Yeah, he's, he's not athletic well, enough. I think he just would have to. He had to like be a big man, physical toughness to him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, to find yeah. out that when you get to a higher level, like I was saying in the NBA, things change. What you thought you knew how to do, <laughs> or who you thought you was, you might have to reevaluate because you're playing with some some high level pro athletes. You know what I mean? So you gotta. That's just, but that's 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 like with me coaching football and basketball. I can look at at guys and I can tell you if they're gonna make it in the league or not. Correct. In football or basketball, it don't matter. I can look at them and tell because there's a certain player that makes it to the NBA. There's a certain type of player that makes it to the NFL. Like if I'm if I'm a GM in football, anytime an Ohio State quarterback is about to come to the NFL, already I'm not even looking at them. Why? Why? Because the system that they run at Ohio State in football. We don't do that in the NFL. It don't translate. Just like in basketball, okay, you got someone like Luca Garza. He's who scored forty points and grabbed fifteen rebounds in the game. Oh my God, he's gonna be he's the best player in college basketball. That's fine and dandy because he's playing against guys that that aren't as strong as him, right? And and he just and I'm really think about it. how many times have you ever seen Luca Garza dunk a basketball? I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. How many songs has he done? Has he done I the haven't really, maybe what, twice, two or three times? Hey, you, you tell me he's going to go into the NBA with seven foot two Joel Embiid and six foot ten Ben Simmons and six foot eight LeBron James and lay the ball up every time down the you floor? You have a point. I mean, that's yeah. not happening. Russell Westbrook, you're not going to lay a ball up against Russell Westbrook. He's going to come from behind and smack that thing into yeah. the fifth row. Russ is cut different, man. <laughs> Russ is just cut. But, I mean, all those yeah. NBA guys That's why I different. said, when, once but you like, get to a certain level, like, there's a lot of skill. Like, basically, you're, you have to improve. There's no way around it. You just don't. I mean, every player that literally has came to the NBA had to improve in some area, whether it may have been free throws, ball handling, you know what I mean, weight loss, because Zion had to lose a little bit of weight, you know what I mean? So, I mean, rebounding, blocking shots, whatever they can do to where they feel like you can better yourself in specific areas to become an overall great player because they'll know what type of in in basketball well really in every sport there's role playing you have to know what you're designed to do every player is not meant to play all positions to be able to play point guard or be this big to where they can be a small forward they can be a center and they can dribble the ball you know what I mean everybody's not like that some people are just catch and shoot players to where I don't really need you for too much of anything, but the fact that I need you at, you know what I mean, the corner, up top, or somewhere else, you know what I mean? So when we pass the ball around and it gets to you, shoot it. 
then you have people that really just designed for defense. So I'm going to make him out of the best top defensive player possible. And so, like, for example, I think Jason Tatum is probably the best example. I told everybody in that draft, Jason Tatum should have be been honest, the number one pick I did in the not draft. think that he was going to develop as good as he did. I mean, what? he's a beast. But he's... What? He's, I, I knew he it when he was in high expectations. school. Like, I mean, I guess because... I think a lot has to do with the fact that Kobe trained him. You know, well, he didn't really necessarily train him, but, you know, he worked out with him. You know what I'm saying? And I think that really. Yeah, but adding that that to it, you know what I mean? Because you always need that veteran to come in and, you know, basically not perfect your game, but just show you a little bit about what they know and what they see within themselves, within you, that can just help you get further. And I think that putting him on that Celtics team to where basically they were regrouping and he was basically allowed to have the open floor to be able to carry the team the way that he does, it gave him more confidence. And he already had a lot of confidence, don't get me wrong, but it's always good to come onto a team and you don't have to feel like you have to take somebody else's position in order to get to where you're trying to go. You understand what I'm saying? It's just like some some players get drafted to other teams to where they might have already had a star or just enough people to where, you know, they're kind of sort of not really being paid attention to or not really being used effectively the way that they should. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm so like Jason Tatum to me, he's a prime example of somebody that, okay, that dude's going to be an NBA player. People got we talking about John Morant, small school, Murray State, da 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 da. Look at the physical tools. Look at the right. skill set. That's the NBA player. When Damian Lillard was coming out, Weaver State. Whoa, Weaver State. He he didn't play against Duke in Kentucky. Well, he didn't need to play against Duke in right. Kentucky. He's a bucket getter. I think. What is he doing now? Getting buckets. CJ McCollum. When he was at Lehigh, and he beat yeah, my Duke Blue though. He he's another one of those guys to where people don't really give him the credit that he deserves when it comes to definitely playing beside Damon and Lillard because I think they both complement each other in my personal opinion. I think that they both helped each other throughout all of these years basically make their improve their game. You know what I mean? It's just like if Damian Lillard was having a bad game, you know, CJ would do all of what he can to pick up the slack of Damian Lillard. Then it's time for where Darren Lillard could completely control a game and score a whole bunch of points. You know what I mean? Column the column, he would still do, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know what I mean? But if Damian Lillard has complete control of the game, he don't really have to do too much of anything. But you know, score a basket here and there, assist here and there, and he good. And that's what people that don't know the game don't understand. Like, like C.J. McCollum went off for, like, 40 the other night. People was like, oh, he's so inconsistent. He'll give you 40 tonight and then 10 the next night. But dead gone, Dame right. going to have 55 that right. night. Like, <laughs> like you're not going to get those same shot opportunities if Dame got it going because the, the ball's going today. Yeah. The, see, what people don't understand is that 
you don't necessarily have to always score them type of points. It's not always about the points. Of course, the whole objective is to outscore the other team. That's common sense. But, you know, there's other things other than scoring that needs to be done in order to win a game. Defense creates, great defense creates excellent offense. You know what I mean? So it's just like, if there's no defense, we've known this by watching the Houston Rockets, if you can score all the points in the world, you can score 135 points in a game. But if you do not have any defense, don't play defense, you don't rebound. I mean, basically the team can outscore you at any point in time just because you're putting up numbers at that time. All they have to do is get hot. And eventually, someone will get hot. But, you know, like I said, I think that C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard really complement each other well because, you know, they know what needs to be done on the floor at the time. And they're, they're very – both of them are very unselfish players. And that's another thing. Like, when you have someone next to you that's unselfish, you know, it makes you more comfortable to be able to do more on the floor. I'm going to tell you a, a duo I I'm excited to watch play, about. too. No, and no, Devin Booker. I knew Chris Paul I and Devin Booker. <laughs> How did you know I was going to say that? Everybody's waiting on that. <laughs> like, everybody. I mean. I'm excited for it's that It's exciting one. because it kind of goes hand in hand with who we were just talking about, but they're just two different type of players. You know, we know what to expect from a Chris Paul. Um, he can basically, as far as being a point guard, he does just about everything that needs to be done. I mean, shooting, I mean, his, his mid-range game is pure. We, we all know that. But to help Devin Booker out, and then they have, uh, what's, what's that guy's name that plays center? Yes. DeAndre See, Ayton. That's what's going to be the game changer. You know what I mean? Them two together is gonna be perfect, but he's gonna—he's what's gonna add more to the whole team itself. But you know, to be able to learn from somebody like Chris Paul, especially, and to basically have a solid point guard like Chris Paul, it—it it makes the team better itself, and it makes Devin Booker a better player. So later on, he'll know what to expect from other point guards. You know what I mean? Because. Chris Paul's time is wearing down. You know what I mean? So, you know, I feel like for him, his his objective past a ring, if he doesn't get a ring, it's just to basically teach. Teach a player. Yeah, that's gonna be his job. That's gonna be his job. He got a bunch of young guys around him. We we know he, he's done well working with younger guys. He don't do too hot when he has veterans. But if he's the best player on the team and he's in a position to teach, right. that's when Chris Paul Most is at definitely. his absolute best. Um, I'm actually, I mean, the uh, what do you think about the um the Nets? They're looking pretty good. They're looking great, actually. But I think it's still something missing from that team. Though. I I. <laughs> I don't think – no, it ain't nothing missed from that team. If if Kyrie and KD are both playing, it don't matter what's going on. But what concerns me right now is the fact Spencer Dean oh, yeah. is out for the season. 
Ooh, towards ACL. That's the game changer. See that? That's just that's a career changer. I'm telling you, them yeah. ACLs are horrible. That's probably the worst thing you can. That. I think the Achilles is worse. Kind of go hand in hand because, I mean, the ACL is basically a ligament. You need that specific ligament that basically is connected to your heel. You know what I mean? It's just not really at at the same spot. But I mean, if you can't, if you mess up your heel, that basically means you can't jump. You can't do specific basketball moves. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, that's why I said that the Achilles. I think the Achilles is worse than the ACL because, like with KD, you when he when he was dribbling that ball, you saw his Achilles just detach oh, from the heel man. and I mean, roll up his. And what's so crazy is that the ACL is more common, but the Achilles is more of a career-ending injury. Yeah, like we haven't seen Boogie Cousins play yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and KD, KD, and luckily KD's game, he didn't need to be explosive anyways. He's a professional bucket getter. He can get buckets in a wheelchair if they put him out there. So he he ain't had too much to worry about. But if that was to happen to somebody that was super athletic, oh True. my gosh. You it'd have been have terrible. Oh no. I'm just interested in but yeah, so because both of them will have to stay healthy. But, of course, if they both stay healthy, then, you know, of course they're going to be playoff contenders. And I think that really wears down on us, too, because, phew, I don't – we're not looking how I want us to look right now as far as – I'm telling you, I think your problem is Jalen Brown – isn't a good enough score to play the I could have sworn it. I told you we needed somebody else to score. And you were like, no, well, I think that, you know, if you have too many scores on the team, then, you know, there's not going to be room enough. Basically, you were saying that we had too many people that were scores on the team and we needed to let go of somebody. So we let go of Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward the see the thing about that I have with him is that he's a good player, but he's just not meant for the Celtics. We're looking, yeah, it's not for that like group of Celtics. He's, he's kind of like a little old fashioned the way that he plays too. You know what I'm saying? And you're playing with younger guys, mm-hmm. younger guys that are more explosive. You know, they they kind of sort of just. Their style of playing is just not the same as Gordon Hayward. He fits more with the Jazz and who they had more so with the Celtics. I mean, I think he's a better fit with the Hornets, to be honest. Well, well, here's the thing. What I said about your Celtics words was you had too many guys that felt that they were the man on the team. And I said... The only person that needs I to think they're the like man on the team is Jason Tatum. If it's a last second shot, if it's a last second shot, Jason Tatum needs to be the one with the ball in his hands. Last year, yeah. whoever had the ball for y'all was gonna take the last second shot. Everybody thought there was a dude. Marcus Smart thinks he the dude. Jalen Brown thinks he's the well, dude. No, Jason Tatum's the dude. Right? 
So that was my issue. That's why I yeah, wanted Kimba's you to move out. them around. So, course, yeah, Kimba's out for you right know, now. We really don't have nobody to run point like we should. I mean, we got um, dang, I forgot his name. Uh, God for the wait for dang, I can't remember his name right now. I, yeah, because it's been a minute since Jesse. I actually heard him actually be relevant, but um, yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty decent. I like Jeff T. He's okay. But, you know, I honestly believe that we should have got not necessarily somewhat of a superstar guard, but somewhat close to it and then have Jalen coming off the bench. I feel like Jalen is a great player. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like he gives us more of an advantage and he's more of a weapon coming off the bench because like if y'all would have got y'all a JJ Reddick, that'd have been perfect. Some uh, somebody that somebody that's right. a, that that can shoot that... the ball. Like they're not gonna try to go and bang the ball into my head <laughs> like yeah. Bogdanovich for uh Brooklyn. Yeah. Somebody like I mean, that. You know, we still have some time coming up to where, you know, trades come up, things happen. So hopefully, you know, we can get us a little somebody we can get something but as of right now like I said I honestly believe Jalen Brown was better coming off the bench than starting because he brings so much more he's he's explosive you know what I mean he's young he has young legs you know he's a scorer he's definitely good at defense I really like Jalen like he he's really a, a overall solid player and I feel like he's more of an asset when he's on the bench because you have all of these people starting. When the bench comes in, who's going to be the one to do all the scoring, or just basically keep the bench together intact? And I think that's well, what yeah, I'm saying. Ter- Jalen needs to be on the bench. And you, I mean, what sucks is that I know that this year is going to suck for us because we still have a lot of things we need to regroup on. And and maybe I'll say a good one to two years because I'm actually proud of how far they got last year. But I can see Yeah. Yeah, I that ain't like happening this year, but at least two years I can see them getting up on the ladder a little higher. But, you know, a lot of things went on last year. The Warriors, of course, weren't really in the picture. Then, you know, Kevin Durant wasn't in the picture at the time. So it kind of just basically put a lot of teams on the back burner but now that people are coming back of course clay isn't back but steph's at his best right now so yeah it's a lot of things that's gonna happen and i think clay's out for the season right so yeah it's gonna be a hard year for them too but kevin durant and kyrie and of course, the Bucks is always going to be somewhere in the area because he's really hungry for that ring. And to be honest, at some point in time, had LeBron James be nowhere in the area, he probably would have had a ring by now. But you know, LeBron shuts known he really is known to shut everything down quick. As long as he's still playing, he's going to always be the person that people are going to see to get the ring <laughs> before anybody like um so 
so from what you've seen so far, who do you think? Like, give me your top four teams in the East and your top four teams My in the top West. Top four teams in the East. Top four teams in the West. Um. Well. Start with number four and go up. All right, for the East, I see. You said start from the bottom up. Yeah, bottom up. I'll say the Magic. The Celtics. And then the Nets. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to put it to you. I'll, I'll say the 76ers, the Bucks, the Celtics, and then the Nets. I have it. 76ers. Celtics. Bucks, you know I'm always trying to keep my team <laughs> close to the top. <laughs> like, have you Not been yet. impressed with with Philly so far? Me either. I, yeah. I, I see um, the same, same old, I mean, same you know, old, really. it just started, so I give it a little bit of time, you know, for them to at least have played maybe like 20, 30 games. But as of right now, it kind of looks like the same old routine 76ers from last year to me. Just different players. Um, yeah. All right, the West, your, I'm going to go West? with the Warriors. No, yeah. The Warriors, the Mavs, the Rockets. And the Lakers. All right, so I got Clippers at four. Um, I still believe in the Nuggets at three. Mavericks at two. Mm, you put the Mavs at and two. Lakers at one. That's well, true. Well, look what they did to the Clippers the other night. I, I still, <laughs> I still believe the Rockets can do a little something. It all depends on their chemistry and how well they play together. But I definitely don't see them being counted out out of this situation. And really, I'm really yeah. looking at the Suns for me would be at number five. Go, yeah, I mean, shoot. There's yeah, some good teams. The West. There's some the West good teams pretty, out pretty here. There are some good teams. You're right. And Absolutely. the East is better than what because, it used to be. Because, I mean, who's to say the Raptors still, you know? Yeah. Right, right, they right. They hanging in so, there. 
the I mean, heat. really, both conferences this year. This is going to actually be a good season. I'm just interested in seeing how everything plays out, how the injuries work, you know, trades, what have you. I'm just interested in seeing who the playoff t- contenders will be. <clears throat> so, is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, you know, we're going to get into another season the end of basically 2020. So, 2021, we're going to try something a little different. You know, add a little bit. Just add some different things to the podcast, you know. Um, We're definitely going to talk more about your basketball team. I think that would be, you know, just to share a couple of episodes where, you know, you just talk about your team. I know we really didn't get a chance to talk about women a lot. Um, so we'll definitely be talking about that, but just some little minor changes, you know. What? Oh, before we go, what do you think about Duke women shutting down mm. for the season? I mean, I okay. Basically, it's like this. I feel like a lot of that is going on right now. So yes, it really doesn't necessarily surprise me, but at the same time, I was more interested in seeing how our, you know what I mean, our Celtics, basically assistant coach was going to coach the team, so I felt like she was going to do a really decent job with that, and I was just interested in seeing how the girls were going to turn out, so I guess for me, not being able to see that kind of sort of sucks, but at the same time, you know, Wait a minute, why did they cancel it? Because of COVID or what happened? COVID. So they had a, they had mm-hmm. two games to get canceled. And so after those two games got canceled and they did all the contract tracing, the contact tracing and all that good stuff, come find out a girl within their team also had it. And so they would have to quarantine for a whole nother two weeks. And so they just decided that it would be better just to call it off for the season. And they had gotten like, they won't, they won't go and win a championship or anything like that. They won't even go win the conference. But I was happy to see the light of the the right comp- the competitive she nature a lot of, of light to the team i've noticed that the you way know. that she basically teaches them she breaks things down um you know with each individual player i mean she she's really a a bright coach and i'm actually happy that she's there but more interested in seeing how that helps out the players and how they play on the court Yeah, same here. And I think that once she gets I, I think yeah. she needs to establish herself as a recruiter now. She needs to get when she's allowed to get out on the road, she needs to go and recruit the best. Like there we have so much talent within the state of North Carolina. You don't even have to leave the state of North Carolina to go find the best recruits. Like Duke's best player this year was the freshman point guard Vanessa De Jesus from California. And that's cool and all. But then you can't have Sanaya Rivers 
and um An- Anaya Hood and these girls leaving the state going elsewhere. Like how does South Carolina come in and get Sanaya Rivers from NC State, Duke and Carolina? Like that that type of thing, you have to put into that stuff. Like you're not coming in our yeah, state taking our best players it. away. Most definitely. So she has to go out there and recruit. I don't know. How, like, she's an effective speaker to her teams. I don't know how effective of a speaker she would be trying to convince somebody. To, you know, like, I I think her she has a good personality. I don't, but we have to see it on yeah. the recruiting trail. I think that, you know, with time, like you said, I think with time that she'll actually learn how to develop that within, you know, her coaching, seeing as though, that really wasn't her job previously. So um, I think with a little bit more time, you know, she'll actually get the hang of it and, you know, just know how to really work that within coaching. Yeah. And I think the only thing I had a problem with her with coaching this past year, she called a play every (laughs) single time down the floor. It drove me up a wall every time down the floor. Like there was no transition baskets. She was all right. Stop the stop at half court. Set up this play. This is what we're gonna do. I mean, well, yeah, like I said, she has to get the hang of it, you know. Um, I think. Well, you know, I guess she's trying to actually see when she's actually, you know, from a coach's standpoint. Because I'm pretty sure, you know. You probably never done nothing like that before, but you're just interested in seeing how the players play pertaining to plays that you call out. You know what I mean? It's different when you're actually in practice and you're calling plays and y'all playing against one another, but to actually be playing against a whole nother team and then you call out specific plays. Maybe she's just running through her plays to see, you know, what what is more efficient than the ne- than the next. <laughs> is that a little bit of a Like, if if I call a if I if I call a play every I time mean, down yeah, the floor, my team will look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, because we we work so much on making reads and make and reacting to what the defense is giving us. So we work on that so much. And if it's something that we can't figure out, then yeah, we'll run a play. And I usually put that in my point guard's hands. So, but it was just an observation. I was just like, golly, like this looks like old yeah. school, high school basketball right here. I'm pretty sure she Every time the down the floor, eventually. I think she calling the play. She really needs to tweet, you know, <laughs> before she too many games yet either so she's she's gonna it's gonna take time for her to get the hang of but I'm pretty sure she will but also she's gonna have this long summer she got all this time to look at what she could have done better or whatever that team can practice I think they can still practice at least without playing games so they can practice the rest of the year and then she got the summer to get everybody on campus again and get them used, get them back in the flow, and hopefully they have a full preseason 
Right. And be see what they can do next right, year. Right, right, right. Well, cuz we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Um I'm interested in seeing how our second season of the podcast will be. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing how your team plays this key this season coming up. <laughs> Everything's gonna be good though, cuz but I'm gonna holler at Ooh. you, all right? All right.